0: to another episode of tuning fork i'm david i'm matt this is a podcast about pitchfork and or music and the pitchfork media hype machine i still go. am not saying that often enough to me- remember the whole thing the first time um <laughs> we have uh, a very special guest today
1: very special am i supposed yeah. to say you something? want to introduce now? yourself <laughs> hi i'm uh greg simpson uh from a couple of other podcasts uh this might be a podcast about they might be giants and best midwestern a podcast about midwestern music both on the punknews.org network thanks for having me fellas yeah i listened to
0: uh the giants confirmed and uh this might be a podcast episodes that you two did together crossover you know what I i need to get in on this action
1: yeah, you know, I'm I'm a very special guy who uh deserves to be listened to. <laughs> I couldn't even make it through that sentence. <laughs> For the occasion, we
0: have a very special album. Mm-hmm. That that being an album that got the legendary 0.0 on pitchfork.com. Boo. <laughs>
2: The suffix Buddha, Buddha Stan not the album. is Persian for place of or country. It appears in the names of many regions in Iran, Afghanistan, and Central and South Asia, as well as in the Caucasus and Russia, and also the album "Travistan" by Travis Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> Which means in the original Farsi, the, the country of Travis.
0: Yeah, and that's where all the people that play on this album are from, according to the liner notes.
2: Yep, we got the, the Travestani National String Orchestra and the Travestani Women's Chorus.
1: Yeah, I've got the uh, booklet right in front of me. Apparently, I, I don't know if I... I didn't review this. I may have stole it from my college radio station because it has the barcode punched out.
2: I mean, as one does.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, actually, Nobody, yeah. <laughs> no,
2: I don't think there is...
0: I don't, I don't know if there is a vinyl pressing of this, but at least one of us can say I have the CD.
1: Yep, I sure do. Actually, I'm going to blame my wife for stealing this cuz I had already graduated in 2004. So, I think she stole it. <laughs> <laughs> but it it's funny here the map of it and stuff. Are you guys looking at like a are you looking at a an image of the 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 booklet?
2: No, yeah, it's just it's it. it's listed on the Wikipedia page. For me Oh that?
1: yeah, it's pretty funny. All the the stuff producers Chris Walla and Don Zintera. Religion hundred percent Roman Catholic, <laughs> and ethnicity fifty percent Scottish, twenty five percent Norwegian, and twenty five percent Austro Hungarian. Travis Stan also has a liberal visa agreements with the Vietnam, Lebanon, and Mexico.
2: <laughs> okay. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> do you think?
0: Do you think that's why uh, the dismemberment plan uh, broke up there temporarily?
1: Which which because Travis
0: went off and and formed his own nation.
1: Well, apparently on the last Dismemberment Plan tour, that's what they called the van that they they use on the last uh, D Plan tour. Was they what, called it, was it Travis, the Travis van. van? The Travis Travis Van, the Travis Van. Yes, yeah, something like that. <laughs> that's what I read. <laughs> that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, this so really
0: that was him flexing his muscles in the dismemberment plan then. Right.
1: This is my van. Like,
0: this 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 is my van. Maybe he paid for it. I I get to make the rules. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna put shag carpeting in here if I say so. And a disco ball. Yeah. <laughs> dismemberment plan got really good reviews from Pitchfork, and then this came out.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I want to say emergency and I got something like a nine point five on its first issue and has gotten tens ever on every subsequent like re release of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they love that shit. And that that puts Travis Morrison in the like very rare pantheon of album of like musicians who have made both ends of the spectrum.
1: Yeah, ten and zero.
2: <laughs> ten and zero. There's him. There's uh, the Flaming Lips,
1: Sonic Youth. Um,
2: Sonic Youth, yeah. Bell and Sebastian, Collective. Bell and Liz- Sebastian have gotten pretty close.
1: Liz Fair, yeah, I read Liz Fair did it as Liz well. Liz Fair
2: got a zero and a nine point five, I think, is what they gave Exile and Guyville. Mm. So Jesus. like very close. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs>
2: impressive. And the
0: The effect of this review, according to Barsick Records, was what were the words uh, like immediate and something?
2: Like, uh, I, I don't see. have it. I don't have those words in front of me, but it was like catastrophic. Yeah, it's like, it, it was catastrophic, basically. Yeah, he would. Um. Uh, he he described the mood of his shows of being like people were pretty like, you know, forgiving of like how idiosyncratic the lyrics of this tour were and how like, you know, he's like, oh, Travis doing his own goofy thing. But, you know, we, we were fl- uh, fans of the D plan. So we'll we'll go check it out. We'll uh, we'll you know crack wise a little bit at the show, but apparently it's like right after the review came out, it was just like bad.
0: Yeah, just nobody showed up.
2: Nobody showed up, or the energy at the shows was just bad.
1: Yeah, again, it's just the the power of of Pitchfork, especially at the time, to just completely sway everybody, even people who probably didn't even read the review. They might have just had mm-hmm. a friend who was like. Oh, my God, did you hear they give Travis Morrison's record a zero? I oh, was zero. Well, I was thinking of going to the show, but I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's that I bad? feel like
2: um, they don't have the this way anymore, like even close because like no. I know that there was some there was some like discussions around um, the the new Fiona Apple album getting a 10, right. But like it basically didn't make it out of people who discuss music all the time anyway. Like, there was no, like, there was no huge outlets talking about it. There wasn't, like, large... There there was, like, some larger press about it. But, like, it really didn't extend outwards to, like, the reach of this. And it's, like, it's not like it was doing Fiona Apple any, like... It it wasn't, like, increasing Fiona Apple's clout any. She has plenty. Like, she's bigger than them. (laughs) Supposedly, the
0: the reaction to this review was so severe that Pitchfork, like, did an internal review and was like, All right, we... (laughs) We're a little bit too big to be doing this. So we might want to revisit that. Yeah, yeah like I
2: don't <laughs> yet yeah, I don't feel like they gave many zeros after this.
1: Yeah, I was I was reading something though but uh the founder Ryan Schreiber uh, he said in in the same year in late 2004 with something like the Travis Morrison record, I know that I would give it the same ranking no matter what. I think That a record can be so unlistenable and so terrible that it deserves that rating. He said, it's totally subjective. So is it devoid of worth to me personally? Yes. So he's (laughs) even agreeing. He's agreeing with Chris Dolan, who wrote the review. But then, yeah, it must have been even maybe a little bit after that. I think they were still like... They they assume they were kind of punching up in that they were like oh we're still this little blog whatever and mm-hmm. you know he's this big name guy you know we can just talk shit or whatever but I think at that point they realized it was like a turning point they're like actually people are listening to what we're saying and we did significant damage to someone's career like maybe we should not be so flippant with our scores <laughs> and yeah yet- it's not like <laughs> every, the dismemberment every- plan
0: were it's not like the dismemberment plan were gigantic stars at the time like people liked them a lot but. Like it, it's not like they could survive that big of a hit, right? Yeah, I'm,
2: I'm amazed that they ended up playing Pitchfork Fest in 2011 because that's where I saw them play. Yeah, they, yeah. They they buried the hatchet with the with some of the um, Emergency and I reissues, re- I guess.
1: Yeah, maybe I don't know. And that Chris Stalin guy's apparently stopped writing for. He he really doesn't do that much music journalism at all anymore. Mostly like video game stuff, I think. Oh. Um, but he's, he had already, I think kind of wasn't working for Pitchfork anymore. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, we'll play your he festival to a gamer. <laughs> we'll play your festival. But if we see that guy around, we're going to punch him in the fucking face. Oh, we well, just, he doesn't that- work for us anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. Then
2: <laughs> I feel like the review itself didn't feel as much of a zero as like Ryan Schreiber's opinion of it seems to be. <clears throat> yeah. like, like I, I that's think a He, really he was able quote. to pick out some of the things <laughs> that I ended up liking about the album Yeah, and mentioned them in a positive light. But it's just like, and we'll get into it when we start getting into the lyrics. I, I feel like you just felt overall, what's the point of any of this?
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the score definitely it, does not match the text. I mean, it's definitely a negative review, but I think the score is just kind of like to make a point that, like, oh, I think that's it's what Pitchfork does in a, general. They're, their their right. scores
2: are editorial. So, yeah are they are they really still? Yeah. You think? I think they've said as much.
1: Okay, so they are still doing that. Like the whole, what is it? Like the whole writing staff. Do they, do they like take a vote and average the entire? I'm not sure. I'm scores? not sure because I
2: feel like nothing nothing would get a ten if that were the case, right? I feel like it's it's got to be some kind of discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they meet in way, a shadowy
0: boardroom.
1: Yeah, and and Pitchfork in 2004. I mean, they were still already they were already super established. I mean, I mean, like you said, I don't think they have the. I mean, I think they still have clout, but they're not, like, the the indie rock voice anymore. And yeah. they've kind of done that to themselves in, like, just being, like, pop uh, and rap is pretty much what they do now. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I used yeah. in, in 2004, in that era, I was visiting the site every day to see what was up. But uh, these days, like, maybe once a week I'll pop over there and just click over to Best New Music and be like, what says rock beneath it?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: what should I actually pay attention to? Because... After just, like, a year of going there and being like, I don't like any of this stuff. This is not... It's I not could... your scene, right? Yeah. Like, if I want to learn about the new pop stars, I can, you know, go to Rolling Stone's website or something. I don't know.
2: Right. Go, go somewhere a bit less pretentious than Pitchfork to hear about it.
1: <laughs> if I want to hear about Carly
0: Rae Jepsen, I'll just ask Matt.
2: Yeah. I will <laughs> gladly tell you which the best new songs are on the new album. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, right, they then. did not give that a high enough review for us to talk a high enough score for us to talk about it. yeah, that's or too bad. a low enough one.
0: <laughs> Are we ready to uh, to jump into this album with the first track? Yeah, I think so. Sure. So it starts off with part A of a four-part song called "Get Me Off this Coin."
3: Do Tiny portrait on my bad side on a single sense Now you give me. For my thoughts, I think I'll give it back. My mind is a terrible thing now, baby. But the guy you got now is a hat. So get me off of this coin. Because it's don't like God.
0: And so, my f- initial thought of this, like, I-, I didn't realize that all four of them were going to be the exact same melody. Mm hmm. But I was just like, "Huh, is this like a lounge music album about presidents?"
2: <laughs> it's it's the schoolhouse rock.
1: Yeah, it does kind of have that feel to it. So, how early in the episode can we like do some they might be giants references? Because I'm figuring,
2: like, I mean, the they whole time be- if you want. okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, Matt's here, so you may
1: as well.
2: I mean, really? I'm literally, I'm literally wearing my Pink Album shirt right now.
1: Nice, nice. When, uh, <laughs> yeah, when I was listening to this today, I was, uh, I was, actually thinking about it. Like, I think a lot of the coming at it from a point of view of a They Might Be Giants fan, you can draw a lot of similarities. And one of the things is all of these short, similar songs can almost be kind of like almost like a fingertip style montage where it's like, well, in this case, they all have like that melodic kind of motive coming through. But, like, being that, like, on the surface, you might be like, what is this stupid little silly song? But, like, the, you know, there's more to it than that. And, and the kind of, I mean, it definitely is silly, but it is kind of a funny little concept to keep, uh, like, a familiar melody that each time it comes back, it's almost like... Oh, hey, it's a little welcome, a uh, little tune coming back, and then on to a new song. I
0: think it's yeah, kind of an interesting you idea. you how
2: far into the album you are. Sure,
0: that too. <laughs> yeah. By the fourth time, I was getting a little bit tired of it, but the first one is, you know, it's, it's all right to hear.
2: I feel like the first one's fine. I mean, they're all just about how presidents, if they were alive in 2004, would all be centrists, right? Yes. <laughs> 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 they don't like either side. Yeah. <laughs> and that the brings up like a, a couple of there, there was a, an article I read that was uh, from The Nation, which was the one that uh, it had a citation about how one of the songs is about 9-11, which is just something that I just don't pick up on yeah. unless someone tells me because I'm just whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like he was like, yeah, no, it's like I'm probably going to vote for the Democrats, but I'm not going to hitch myself to the Democrat wagon, um, which seems like a like in 2004, that must have seemed like insane. Because right. like, you know, because of wanting to get Bush out of office so bad. Um, that's the probably a good thing to do now. <laughs> the Democrats fucking suck ass.
1: Everybody sucks ass.
2: Oh, everybody does suck ass. <laughs> but yeah, just like it's like I'm probably gonna vote Democrat, but I'm not hitching myself to their wagon. Um probably a good thing.
0: Yeah, this was after Having a couple elections where there was a third party candidate that everyone blamed for not getting the uh,
2: outcome they wanted—a
1: mm-hmm.
0: right.
2: strategy that still works to this day.
0: Yep,
1: I turned Always blame the uh, third party. Yeah, <laughs> I turned eighteen just in time for the uh, two thousand election. I voted for Nader, so it was my fault that Bush got elected. Clearly, <laughs> oh my God, it was
2: you. You did it yep. yourself. It was
1: all me voting for a third party candidate in a blue state, solidly blue Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> I did Thank it. Thank you, Greg. I did it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well,
2: to me, Wait, this so is the you, least bad. You of did
0: before, Bush so. You did Bush, and Bush, Bush did 9 11 <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, by the transitive property.
0: There you go. <laughs> A. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not here to make value judgments. We're here to talk about change. <laughs>
2: funny to name one of the songs Change after that was, like, you know, the last album that D-Plan did. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. This um, one uh, has a sample in it that's I think is from some video game. Like the... I don't remember exactly which game, but I know I recognize it.
1: Yeah? It is a sample? You you verified that? <laughs> or you just think it's like that a sound it, from it?
0: It. Sounds, it sounds like it's coming out of a 2004 uh, dot mp3 file so yeah i'm pretty sure it's a sample I don't
3: know. yeah
2: i mean i feel like it could have usually just been like plugging some wires weird on a mod synth but like yeah. given how much midi is on this album um i don't know if he was going with anything that good
1: yeah i don't know are you, are but, you're, uh, you're accusing him of using uh non-analog equipment is that what you're saying <laughs> come on i mean i guess there yeah, are string,
2: there are strings in the credits but like yeah <laughs> if, if they're there he could press the hell out of them
0: Everything definitely does sound quite... A, it, not, not entirely in this song, but on later songs, I definitely hear some MIDI instruments coming through.
2: Mm-hmm. The thing about this song is that I like most of it. It's just like, he doesn't get the whole way there with me. Um, the lyrics, like most of the lyrics on this album, are not great. <laughs> the chorus is not great. And the check your pulse now, it's heart attack time... Is are just are you talking annoying. About the,
0: are you talking about the chorus that, that goes, oh my god, you can change?
2: When did his yes turn to yaz? Yes?
1: Yeah.
0: Because all his
2: yes are yaz yes on this album.
1: It was driving me nuts. <laughs> it's an East Coast thing.
0: He's the yaz yes king. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, so, I've Most... listened to so much emergency and I that it, it's like, he does just do yaz yes on that one, right? Uh, yeah, I think so.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like I'll think have so. to I'll have to spin it later. I,
2: I have that on vinyl.
0: <laughs> I don't yet.
1: Man, that was a huge album. Me and and my wife, when we were first starting to date, even before our official first date, we went and saw uh, the Dismemberment Plan at a small Knox College in Galesburg, Illinois. They were on a day off from their tour with uh, Death Cab for Cutie. It was the des- Death and Dismemberment tour.
2: God, but, such a good tour title.
1: Yeah. Them as, as the small band, they're like, day off, we need some money, let's go play this little college. So, that was amazing Did we already mention show. that
2: Chris Walla was involved in this album? I don't think we, we I think you did briefly, but yeah, I guess that's how he got hooked up with Chris Walla.
1: Yes, I mentioned that he's part of, apparently he's also Roman Catholic, because they're all 100% Roman Catholic in the <laughs> Republic of <laughs> Travestan. <laughs> huh, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chris Walla, though, that dude, I mean, there's a lot of records I love that uh, he's produced. Um, and you guys are already ripping on the keyboards, but I think, you know, coming off the Dismemberment Plan, I mean, they had a lot of really sick synthesizer sounds. And so maybe he was oh, intentionally yeah. trying to make some stuff like a little uh, a little chintzier, a little cheesier, and uh, just to kind of... I mean, he obviously loves keyboards, but they're not as yeah. prevalent on this as on uh, Dismemberment Plan albums. But, um, I mean, I think it's probably a conscious change. And I think having yeah. synthesized instruments um can be a choice i don't think he's trying to pull one over on us with any no the, no the, the the sounds
0: it's a conscious change exactly
1: <laughs> god yeah some of these, yeah you know, you change i think the, the lyrics about this i wouldn't call the i mean you're saying that the lyrics on the album in general are bad i think again it's a conscious choice to get out of the kind of very emo vibe of uh Mm -hmm. the album change like they got just really moody on that album i mean honestly i listen to travis and more than i listen to change um (laughs) coming up like it just was like nice and it was peppier you know like the dismemberment plan is terrified emergency and i the the kind of dismemberment plan that i liked but i think the lyrical choices is just uh he just wanted to sing about some stuff that wasn't so emo and saying, yeah. Moses could be a bitch with a capital B fits right in there. <laughs> Talk a bunch of weird shit, and you had to agree.
2: <laughs> While I was up there talking to plants and growing my beard to my nuts. <laughs> Thank you, Travis. Thank you for this. He yeah, saw no, that, uh, he saw that scene
0: in Monty Python's The Life of Brian with the, the old guy in the hole with the beard that was taped to his scrotum. <laughs> and he was like, yes, I need to make a song about this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah i don't know i mean know? you know i think I'm, I'm pretty sure travis is like pretty decently into uh, uh hip-hop and stuff and a lot of these rhymes this is stuff that could fly if yep. someone rapped it like hip-hop dudes they can get away with silly shit and it just goes by so quick and then they're on to the next thing like even in like deeply political songs you'll hear some really good rappers dropping oh, yeah. silly references and stuff like that um <laughs> And I think, I, yeah, rhyming like guts the problem, with nuts, you know, why not? Yeah,
2: <laughs> I feel like the problem is mostly the the rhythm he keeps with it. Um, because, like, you know, the, the reason that rappers can pull that kind of stuff off is because they are keeping strong to a rhythm. But he just kind of seems to meander the end of his lines sometimes. He does mm. a lot of, like, the the really quick catch up where you say, like, four, four words just real quickly to try to get back on your meter. Uh-huh. And it, it just, just doesn't work for me most of the time. Mm,
0: okay. He's definitely not a hashtag rapper. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what else we got in here? Oh. But
0: yeah, no, I, I mostly love the for, way this song uh, is
2: constructed. Like it's it's probably one of the standouts for me. Um, yeah, other than other than the seemed,
0: bridge, this one seemed the most like what I was expecting from this album. I feel like the first time I listened to it, mm. this and yeah, the can next imagine one. the
2: coin song would have thrown you for a loop. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a bold way to start it. I mean, you gotta—I mean, you gotta give it to him for taking chances on this album. I mean, mm-hmm. that those coin songs are something that would have never ended up on a Dismemberment Plan album. Al- dismemberment Plan album, especially the last one. But he was doing silly stuff in the early days of the Dismemberment Plan, like if you think about the Ice of Boston, where it almost gets to like a weird L point in the song where he's like, <laughs> "And I strip down and I'm, uh, what is it? I don't remember the lyrics exactly. I'm naked. And I take a bottle of champagne and I pour it out." my head and then there's people out the window and they're like look at me looking at them look at me and then the phone rings and it's my mother <laughs> hey travis <laughs> how's boston it, it makes
0: me it makes me think of the difference in tone between the first or i guess the only two uh studio albums by slint like mm, uh uh-huh. <laughs> the first slint album just starts with uh what's his name? Brian McMahon yelling at Steve Albini that his headphones are fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) And then Spiderland is this huge like mood piece that is like considered a, it like a masterpiece by everybody. So yeah.
2: Yeah. That's very, very, very different uh, styles going for there. But what uh, I'm saying is that it's not unprecedented.
1: Like there is precedence that he has thrown a lot of silly li- lyrics out there, and yeah. uh, it's not like it's coming totally out of left field. If
0: if if I don't have sis sex in, like in the <laughs> next, by the end whatever. of the
2: week, I'm g- 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 going to die. Yeah, yeah
0: that's not that mm. one's not silly at all, though. That's a serious song. Yep. <laughs> uh, born in '72.
3: It's true, I'm white and it's a good thing too So don't get pulled over by the cops And if ever then it's one that stops, not three And I'm bored as well as can be well, I'm still more important than she My friend got passed over for a race. And she said she's
1: so good
0: I don't, I- He's... He's white and it's a good thing too, because he doesn't get pulled over by the cops.
1: <laughs> and and if ever then it's one that stops, not three. Yep. Still relevant. I mean but it's about same... it's about white male privilege. I mean this, yeah. this song's still totally uh you know totally relevant. The it seems like it... it's about his white privilege and
0: how he doesn't do anything with it.
2: Yeah, it's just like I, it's like he he points out all these things, but he doesn't really go anywhere with it. Like I feel like he doesn't expand upon the idea enough. He just kind of says yeah. That's that's kinda how it is, huh? Yeah. And that's that's why this one doesn't really doesn't didn't land with me as much. Like it's just I was born into this extraordinary situation. That's it.
1: I mean, maybe that's the idea though, is that like feeling like especially, you know, he's got a band ending, he's trying to start something new, he's kinda like, you know, where am I in my life? Have I really accomplished anything? You know, mm-hmm. I've had everything going for me because of you know, how I look, the way you know how I was born. And, you know, here I am just another White indie rock guy. I mean, you know. So hey, yeah, yeah. What did I say? What did I do? Yeah. All we're always paid more, even if less skilled. Might be a yeah. little little self dig there. Yeah,
2: I mean, and then I guess the, the can't ask for more, so we're unfulfilled, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, okay. I guess that 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 does that does kind of carry from the rest of the song. It's like I've had all of this opportunity, but mm-hmm. what have I done with it? Whereas I was just kind of hearing it. It's like I've had all this opportunity and then a period, and then the rest of the page is blank. <laughs> and that's really how the song read to me the first couple of times I listened okay, to it. Yeah. Like, I was just, I was thinking of it in contrast. Uh, do you know, you know AJJ at all? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like American Tune is the, is the one that I would think of that's like mm. a pretty close parallel to the way this song is built. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and that one's like a very much like, I have all of this and it's fucked up, so carry it forward and, you know, try to bring your good fortune onto others. Right, right. And yep. that that's why it's like, this one felt like it was just kind of kind of weak on the statement. Mm.
0: Mm. I do like the, the musical uh, performance
1: of this one. Oh, it's so, so good. So catchy. And ladies and gentlemen on the drums, Jason McGurr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the little dropout there with the drums. So you got two Death Cab uh, guys coming in here, one producing and one drumming. I also love the ending, <laughs> the pitched up vocals, the yeah, <laughs> all right. <laughs> shut the fuck up or what is it, uh, it shut the I'll
0: fuck up kill uh, you. oh yeah
1: I'll fucking kill you <laughs> it
2: was um
1: <laughs> yeah, it
0: goes right. on just about
2: five seconds too
1: long No but then, way. that's what you makes know. it funnier is that it goes longer than you think it should
2: <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he's showing his uh he's showing his great appreciation for the hip hop interludes of the time
1: right exactly <laughs> it's a hip hop dude right got up in a little goofy shit that people are like okay let's skip through it next time <laughs> so good.
0: Yeah, cool. and then and then and then nerdcore happened around the exact same time.
2: Oh God,
1: <laughs> nerdcore. Yeah, I don't yep. even know what that means.
2: Oh,
0: it, it's it's when it's when white rappers decided that they were uh, too cool to sing about anything but uh, nerd shit and video games.
1: So like MC Chris. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah so okay. like MC Chris.
2: All right. <laughs> anyway, the next song's is about nine eleven. I guess. I don't
1: know about it... that.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it's like it's it's cited from the Wikipedia page from this article and it's like I I went to the article to be like did he say this and it's like no it just seems to be conjecture. No, oh, it's about <laughs> how he you got the, the
1: piece.
0: It's about how he got the shit kicked out of him. This one is called My Two Front Teeth parts 2 and
3: 3. And I heard this white hat say no sir. air in my mouth felt funny. Metallic and runny,
2: weird enough to catch
3: my Where's part one?
1: I, I don't know.
2: <laughs> I like that this one is built like it's built like a campfire song.
1: <laughs> a campfire song
2: elaborate It's just like a story that he's telling. yeah, and it's like a very, very simple chord that he's doing like the whole time. and yeah,
0: un- until the outro.
2: Until the outro, yeah, and it, it it's it's very goofy, and um, it kind of grew on me on the, the second and third lessons.
0: Yeah, I, I like this one. Uh, I like this one more than a 0 point zero. I'll put it that way.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's another one where where it's like some of these lines. I wish you would kind of you know shorten them up a little bit, but I think that's kind of in the spirit of the way this song is written. Is that it's almost like it's just complete stream of consciousness. It nothing nothing on it seems very deliberate. And that's definitely a choice to make. But it, it seems like it could have done another pass on the editing. Just yeah, I, just to, just to tighten up some, the lines a little bit.
1: There's still some good rhymes in there. Like, right off the bat, the second I saw, but the first was Sucker Punch City. I got my ass kicked by a committee of whom I don't know. Got the internal rhyme in there. City mm-hmm. and committee. And to me, just like his words here, again, it's like something that very traumatic that happened to him. I mean, getting, you know randomly getting your ass kicked and your teeth knocked out is not fun but like calling it sucker punch city it's like you're taking the you know you're taking the air out of the balloon there you're like yeah this this shitty thing happened but you know i'm gonna joke about it a little bit now
2: yeah it's very silly yeah i love it's it kinda, it's kind of just setting the tone up front
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: do either of you know what he's referring to when he talks about a white hat
1: um uh, where is this
0: the door was ajar and i heard this white hat say no sir i never heard a thing
2: so the thing with the, this album is that um, it being from like the the earlier part of the 2000s and also like not super popular david had to add most of the lyrics to genius yeah oh, I was really say,
0: <laughs> like if you're looking at the genius page right now it, it only all, all these songs are only in the album on genius because i added them earlier today <laughs>
1: wow doing the work <laughs> yeah that.
2: And even then, and like I'm, some of the lyrics like are uh, the a top
0: bit off. I, I'm like the third top Travis Morrison contributor on Genius
1: now. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice work. Someone already wait, put in yeah. all y'all.
2: Yeah, Greg, you yep. got to go in and do, do and do the annotations now. And then then you then you could okay. be the like, number one Travis Morrison expert.
1: I'd be like, this one is yeah. not about nine eleven. Where are you getting <laughs> it? <laughs> like, I'm still trying to hold on. Where's the white hat part? What verse are we looking at? Here? It's in uh, the, the it's second, in the second the paragraph. second
2: stanza. Yeah. yeah, second stanza. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> Mm. imagine being on a music podcast knowing music words like couldn't be me <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: um patrol car, white hat I don't know, I mean like policemen don't wear white hats, I mean who wears white hats that's the only
0: the only thing that I've heard that term uh for before is like a genre of hacker,
2: yeah, same <laughs> that's huh. the only co- that is the only context in which I've heard of the term white hat, yeah, hmm. I'm sure someone is screaming right now listening to this.
1: <laughs>
0: How don't you
2: know that?
1: White hat. Let's, let's yeah. see. White
0: like, like, comment, and subscribe if you know what a uh, white hat is.
1: I th- uh, hmm. White hats. Yeah, I'm, I just Googled it and it seems to be all stuff about hackers. Uh, is
2: there a dadlier <laughs> reference that he could have made than Gordy Howe?
1: Hey, he was born in seventy two. White hat, a virtuous hero, especially in a cowboy movie, a good guy.
0: Okay, I suppose. So definitely not a guy in westerns.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, like think about Westworld, like you know, the black is the uh, you know the guy wearing black, the guy with the black hat. He's the bad guy. The guy with the white hat, he's the white guy. The the white guy. Yeah, actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So the the white hat. I don't know the. So what is it saying that no one no one came to his uh, defense or. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. No one was uh no no witnesses were coming to his aid to get his attackers.
0: Yeah, it, i guess if, so. if I if I witnessed a mugging, I'm not sure what I would do in that situation, other than be like, Hey, you're
1: do you need help? Yeah. And it was multiple people. So I mean, if you're just out there by yourself, you're like, uh uh stop that, you guys. I don't know. <laughs>
2: they they <laughs> yeah. read his they read his weird pro Iraq war article. And just decided to jump him in the streets.
1: <laughs> yeah, his blog post. <laughs>
2: Such a weird post. Yeah,
1: you know, actually, my wife was mentioning that. She's like, "Didn't he have some sort of conservative type thing that came out?" I'm like, "That rings a bell," but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't find it. You I don't guys, think it, it was
2: as much of a conservative moment as it was just him being like, like he, I think he was reading too many like foreign policy mags. Yeah. And those things, those yeah. things are just full of ho- those things are just full of hawks. Mm. And he was bl- believing too much of the things that were being said at the time, because it, it yeah. does seem it does seem like he. It's not like he was like voting. It's not like he was voting Republican in two thousand four or anything. Right. Right. Do you think people were asking for his opinion when he wrote that? Oh, most certainly not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, was there a big enough like online following of Travis Morrison in two thousand two thousand three for him to? Uh, get a big audience well, i mean like that.
2: platforms didn't even exist at this point it was just on like some random ass blog yeah.
0: yeah yeah and then somebody cross-posted it to a forum
2: yeah because i guess that's just how you had to do things that's how things were shared there was a central spot for things <laughs> nope.
1: yeah 2003 i mean myspace i think was starting up
2: mm-hmm. did he put it on his just MySpace barely, page? yeah
1: shared it to his myspace page his top eight all checked it out
2: <laughs> the old the whole song is just him getting kind of gradually more pathetic or, about it, and then you know yeah. trying to be a, put a brave face about it, and then of course the outro is just "All I Want for Christmas is My Two <laughs> Front Teeth" repeated over and over over like a, yeah, like like in like kind of a, a faded vocal, Mm-hmm. Um, which is something I found grating the first time, um, but kind of funny the other two times.
1: Yeah, same same
2: i feel like that's a lot of what this album is <laughs> like i think i'm i mean i'm endearing to it a little more the more i talk about it so i i think that's, that that that's you doing the work there greg oh you're yeah. welcome uh <laughs>
1: i think yeah a lot of it might be maybe this is like his his quarter life crisis album or something where he's like reverting back to all these childhood things for one being you know the song all i want for christmas is my two front teeth to <laughs> kind of uh ease the pain of uh, you know the very adult Thing of getting your ass kicked in front of a, the Gap. <laughs> maybe that song is part one. Yeah, m- maybe. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> or part part one uh, was the sounds of their fists hitting his face, <laughs> and so parts two and three is this is the afterwards. <laughs> yeah, the are we ready
0: for uh, part B
3: of Get Me Off This Coin? I believe. No, I can't say I follow America. The scene just ain't the same. Oh, I'll just kick it at Monticello. The guys you got now have no game. So get me off of this coin. Cause I don't like either side. I like my nation's in constant revolution. And my booty wide.
0: Sure. So None of this needed same, to happen. Same tune. Same tune.
2: <laughs> <laughs> really hate Matt, this you were, one. Matt, you
0: were saying something about... Uh, yeah, you were saying something about the instrumentation in Part B that you hated.
2: God, now I can't even remember.
0: Hmm. But anyway, this uh, there's there sure are some lyrics in this one.
1: <laughs> it's the Thomas Jefferson one.
2: Yeah, very clearly the Thomas Jefferson one.
1: Yeah, smoked a pound of Mary.
2: <laughs> yeah, Jefferson uh, famously
0: was uh, in many relationships, quote unquote, with his uh,
2: with his slaves at the time. Don't like to think about it. Don't like it set to a jaunty tune. No. <laughs> Don't really give a shit about what he thinks about being on a coin or not. <laughs> Don't like that Travis decided to end this song with End My Booty Wide.
1: Yeah, it's a little <laughs> uh, that that definitely would not fly if it would this not song fly today. <laughs> came out today. Yeah, it's 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 a little insensitive, I'll say. I mean... N- not enough people listened to this back in 2004
0: for it to matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: If, 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 if Pitchfork didn't cancel him, then someone else would have. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's singing them from the point of views of these presidents, but... Yes. uh it's still him writing the lyrics, and I don't think you... I think Booty referred to what pirates uh, had, yeah, they got at the time. I don't think uh, Jefferson would have used the <laughs> the phrase Booty, my booty wide.
2: God. Um, Much like I don't really care about the musical Hamilton, I just don't care about the perspectives of presidents.
1: <laughs> They're generally a and shitty I don't, people.
0: <laughs> I don't like to see fan art of them. <laughs> fan art? Is this
1: an inside joke I'm not aware of?
2: No, just... Greg, be glad that you haven't seen some parts of the internet that we have seen. <laughs> and let's just okay. leave it at that. <laughs> all
0: right, all right. Yeah, I don't want to know. <laughs> the, the next one is about what basically all of the presidents have done so far. People die. Pe-
2: people do die. That is true.
1: It's the facts.
2: People die. There they go.
3: You cannot say I did not tell you so.
2: Some of them will claim to be pro-life, but then they'll die anyway.
1: <laughs> I'm pro-life and pro-war.
2: God. This is actually probably my favorite track on the album. It's actually pretty good.
1: I, I, I was, really like pleasantly... the
2: groove he made with the synthesizer on this one. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's fantastic. The, the lyrics are like, you know, you know they're kind of trite, but they don't really need to be anything. And the big fat drums in the back are also oh, really good. Oh, my God. They rule.
1: Yeah, the drums are fantastic. Jason McGur, like, it's like, ladies it, and gentlemen. It, it, <laughs> every time we like the drums we just need to say ladies and gentlemen jason Mugger, yeah yep
2: yeah i think it's like the fact that he's not trying to say anything particularly profound on this one is why i like it because I, he didn't yeah he didn't have a chance to write himself into the dirt um which he's done a couple of times
1: i mean i it's, think it's, that's it's kind of the simple. point i think that's kind of the point yeah. of this song is that it's like i mean especially when you know we've got that whole war on terror going it's just like we're kind of trying not to you know yeah people are dying but let's try not to think about it like people die la da da. <laughs> people die there they go uh you cannot say i did not tell you so you know i mean it's it's could be in reference to a lot of things but it's kind of just like how we try not to think about all the horrible ways people are dying and like today i mean like
2: oh yeah you bring, know, it, it's, bring it into 2020 and it's america's hard not... really just a death cult Right. And
1: yeah, it's like, oh, coronavirus is not a thing. I mean, only 100,000 Americans have died from it. It's fine. We're, you know, we're out of it now. Let's uh let's take our masks off and go Fuck's uh sakes. go make out. Go to
0: McDonald's. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I was in like a discount grocery store to buy masks because they were the only place nearby that had them. <sighs> And they had, like, all their shells were so close together, and there was, like, a million people in the store. I almost had a fucking panic attack. It was nuts. Mm. I, I, like, some people are just, people have stopped giving a shit entirely. Was and anyone
1: wearing masks in the store?
2: A few. Not very many, though.
1: Yeah, it's become Which, a like, politicized thing. Which like I was thing. only
2: in for the masks. Once I was out, we went to a different grocery store, and they actually have like you know measures set up to make yeah. it so that you are apart from people. And it's a big store, so that was nice. But yeah, no, like this this song is kind of it's kind of tongue in cheek about the way America is a death cult. Like it's like mm-hmm. it's very it's like it's it's very it, he's say he's saying like people die la di da. It's but it's like <clears> not <throat> normal that we are like. It's this.
1: got it gives the day a that line about je ne sais quoi.
2: <laughs> yeah god
0: <laughs> it's got that line about uh it's got that line about the confidential memos all getting leaked
1: mm. mm-hmm. uh, yeah go, it's weird it's weird more, folks more get more freaked by the day yeah yeah uh, all the different ways we push this uh all the death aside and just uh go about our days
2: yeah that one yeah. really it, re- it works really well in the context of the iraq war and it works very well in the context of like you know coronavirus the war on drugs and of course, like how some people think about you know police killings. Mm-hmm. Just like,
0: <laughs> do you, do you think after he, do you think while he was writing this, he changed his his tune about the war?
2: I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he didn't seem too pleased with the with the Republicans going into the election. Yeah, mm-hmm. but at the same time, the Democrats also voted overwhelmingly for the war. So, what would the change which, even which be? Which makes
0: it good, actually.
2: Yeah, it means it was the good war.
1: Good. <laughs> I love
0: how we fucked up in the past, but this one's the good one.
1: Like at, at the end, I believe it or not, I'm trying to cheer you up. <laughs> I can see it's not succeeding.
0: It's okay, Travis. We know you tried.
2: We know you tried. <laughs> and yeah, no, that's that's. I I think that's probably my favorite track on the whole album. I think it, I think it really worked for me. I think what he was going for really stood through.
0: And next up, we have the prequel to Blackfish song for the orca inspired the documentary
3: yes this song is for the orca swimming round in circles at sea world someday you'll drown the dude with the clipboard someday this song is for the gator laying in the roadside cage in F you'll tear the cracker to shreds yeah well known Hollow back f-
1: <laughs> is
0: the first lyric in this song
1: the song is fantastic i mean it's you know i love a good tarantino movie i love a good revenge tale and this is like nature having its revenge you know it's mm-hmm. it's a great song and it's got it's got uh, that dismemberment playing vibe in that it's still it's it's' It's catchy and it's got a good beat to it, but still got that kind of like melancholy feel to it. Of you know mm-hmm. some of the more you know this one isn't it isn't supposed to be silly, but a lot of the stuff you could consider kind of dark comedy if you like that. Uh, I I, you know. I
2: feel like that's definitely like the 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 way he's uh, the way he's phrasing the revenges mm-hmm. is definitely going for yeah. kind of a dark comedy angle. Like someday you'll find a sweet aorta. Yeah, the <laughs> Someday, pit <bull>. someday. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, the pit pitbull, right. Oh, man.
0: One will fall over that railing someday. I'll see the story on MSNBC, and it feels so right. This is a lion,
1: though. It's not Hammurabi. Uh <laughs> and, or, or Harambe. Harambe. I'm already Harambe, forgetting the Harambe. name of the poor gorilla. Poor gorilla. Yeah. Uh, that poor guy.
0: God, that was like, what, five years ago now? At
1: least. Yeah, that was a while ago.
0: And there's no songs about it at all, and we're not talking about any songs about it.
1: Well, here you go. The song is for the ape now, staring out through the bars with comprehending eyes at dull and useless people.
2: That's the only one that doesn't involve naming. The ape the ape yeah. just wants to chill. Just doesn't want to be in the cage. Yeah. Because he has comprehending eyes.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm
0: yeah. Meanwhile, the python wants to crush air from somebody's lungs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Someday. Yeah. So, the orca. I don't know. The first one though. Someday you'll drown the dude with the clipboard. <laughs> <laughs>
2: This one also just seems very, like, s- primed for kind of a sing-along. It does. <laughs> yeah. It's it's very sing-songy, which is, like, fun with the subject matter. A song about escaping, which really kind of dovetails r- well into the next song as well. Yeah, I, don't,
1: I just don't see, like, a zero... Even – like, I don't see how – got to think with with a zero that there are no redeeming factors to the album. But we've just talked about – like, other than the Get Me Off of This Coins, which were, you know, we're like, uh, I don't know, could go without (laughs) them. You got – I mean, we've said positive things about every other track. And I think there's a lot of kick-ass tracks here.
2: I think a lot of it is just – I think it's a certain pretension. Oh, yeah. Because it's like the way he's saying these things are in very, very simple – and very, you know, kinda one dimensional ways almost.
0: Mm-hmm. And which
2: I don't I don't necessarily think is a bad thing. Um, this was
0: around the time that they started like going absolutely apeshit for Colin Malloy.
2: Yeah, they <laughs> they want someone who's saying a lot of things.
0: Yeah. This is Colin some, Malloy yeah. has many words. Travis Morrison does not have enough words
1: for us anymore. This isn't literary enough. I Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> well yeah, yeah, because Picaresque was within the same year. Yeah. Mm. And also has Chris Walla on it.
1: There you go. <laughs> oh yeah. So hey, I uh, when I I started writing for Punk News in two thousand two, when I was in college. But the first year that I did a staff, I was asked to do a staff end of the year list was two thousand four, and this album came in at number fourteen on my top twenty. And I started it. My little blurb: Pitchfork be damned. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I said, right uh, it. yeah, I said the former D Plan Wonder now has no one to hold him back, and he can do whatever the hell he wants. Maybe that makes for an errant song or two, but I love those as well. This man can do no wrong. He's my boy, my boy. <laughs> do you guys want to guess what my number one was for a nice little tangent in two thousand four? Two
2: oh. thousand four.
1: Was it the spine? uh no the spine embarrassingly so well i've i've stated on the, my podcast that the spine is my least favorite they might be giant town doesn't mean <laughs> i don't like it but i put it at number five in my five biggest disappointments of 2004 wow <laughs> so what you got any other guesses for the number one it was not american oh, trying idiot trying remember what else came high. out that year you guys oh, well, actually i believe talked about it on the waves episode that i listened to oh shit because if only the, I could remember to remember anything we've ever said. <laughs> because of the producer of King of the Beach.
2: Oh yeah. I now I have to go look that up again. <laughs> the thing is, as 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 I've said before, Greg, when I say something on a podcast, <laughs> it immediately leaves my brain, and I've never I'm never able to think of it again dude, after that.
1: Dude, you're telling me I'm t- I'm like 20 episodes ahead of recording this movie podcast.
2: Anyway, <laughs> was it, it Modest Mouse? Could it have
1: been? Yes, yeah, it was Modest Mouse. Good news
0: for people who love bad news. That was my
1: number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And I'm like, tra-
2: okay, d- it was the only thing that Dennis Herring produced in 2004, so apparently he put a lot of work into it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and I do like Travis saying a lot, and that's why I wanted to do this episode. I probably, though here I have it above Magnetic Fields Eye and Ryle Kelly More Adventurous, which I would definitely, those would have bumped way up in, in, past that, uh, yeah. in looking back on it. But at the time, again, I think this review kind of just made me dig in and just listen to this record even more i'm like fuck you this record is good man it's not emergency and i but it's got fucking you know bangers on it we didn't call them bangers at the time
2: that's (laughs) kind of how i feel about uh that's kind of how i feel about andrew wk's i get wet like prior to their mea culpa review in 2012 um, oh, yeah. Got it. So their good. only review up was 0.6 for so, so long. And I'm like, yeah, this <laughs> album's dumb, but it's my dumb album.
1: I dressed up as Andrew WK for Halloween in 2002.
2: It's a good and easy costume.
0: <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Yeah. You just need long hair and fake blood and a white t-shirt. That's exactly Easy. what
1: I had. Yep. And I uh, I had to, g- I, <laughs> when I went to the thrift store to look for white jeans, I could only find women's jeans, but I, I fit in them <laughs> and it, it worked out fine. I, and then I went around and stomped on them in the dirt in front of my house uh, for a while to get them looking real or real nasty. Speaking of the
0: waves episode, you also had a factoid about uh, Just Like Honey by the Jesus and Mary chain.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the famous beats, the boom, boom, boom ba. the very first uh, recording of that, at least the one that has inspired all these other ones, is Be My Baby by the Ronettes, written by Phil Spector. And the... the of course. Yes, and that one even, it's got the castanets and everything, and you'll hear a lot of... Uh, Bands that, uh, I was just listening to a Laura Stevenson song called Master of Art that also starts with it. Um, you got put like a big reverby tambourine in there or whatever. But the story is, I'm blanking on the name of the drummer. I don't think it, it was one of the Wrecking Crew guys. I don't think it was Hal Blaine, but, um, but the, the, the way they ch- cranked out songs and albums so quickly is that they were just really good at catching on to things and like working in cool patterns. And the, what the what the drummer said about it in an interview is that he wasn't quite ready when they counted off the song, and he actually whiffed on beat two to only hit beat <laughs> four with the snare, so then he just continued the pattern to make it seem intentional. So he was planning on it being, he was planning on it being boom, 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 but he whiffed the two, so it went boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Which I think is just amazing because it's this iconic beat that everyone steals. And I actually have a a, a new song going that I'm like I, I'm just like I'm giving in. I'm going to use that beat for one of my songs. Oh, you might as well. <laughs> it's you just you just have to. It's a rite of passage.
2: That's such a good adaptation too. Like being a, like figuring out before the end of that second measure that, that oh yeah, I guess I'll just continue with that. <laughs> I guess you got to be kind of quick on the fly if you're a drummer in general.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, those studio guys like they were they were paid good money to record like a whole album in a day yeah. back then in the 60s yeah are we ready for any open door sure
3: I think so yeah, I'm losing my mind here cause I think nothing
2: this is such a good follow from uh from song for the orca just because pitchfork
0: pitchfork definitely disagrees that this is a good song
2: they could suck it um (laughs) (laughs) but it just like again like just following like the very simple themes laid out on this album the song about escaping and maiming followed just by the song about escaping it works Mm, it's a good mm -hmm. (laughs) follow-up
1: yeah definitely
0: I i like how it um goes into kind of like uh I don't know how to describe it. It's sort of like a, a Kraut Rocky shoegazy thing towards the the back half of the song.
4: Mm.
1: Like the, da, 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 da. the like a motoric beat. Yeah, yeah. Which is a very pitchforky and thing of you to say. It is. Those <laughs> two sentences. <laughs> it's almost like I've been
0: reading this website a long time. Um and there's Glockenspiel on this one. I'm He's very got fucking cowbells pro, in the latter half of this song. Ooh. The and, part
2: where he's just kinda of like vocalizing as that beat plays. Yeah. I'm literally listening to it right now. I just felt like putting it on. Yeah,
1: it is a very I, shoegazy kind of thing there to just get ethereal with the vocals. Yeah.
0: It it sort of like slowly eases you into it throughout the song.
1: Yeah, it's got a good build. It's a good song. And it, and again kind of fits in with the kind of moodiness of uh change, the the mm-hmm. the, the Dismember Plane album. Yeah. It was sort of Brit Poppy feeling to me. Yeah, it's very kind of kinks or something like the when the kinks go acoustic.
2: I think this is a, this is probably the part of the song where he pulls off the higher register the best too, because uh, like I generally think he does best when he's in his kind of talk singing at his normal like lower kind of vocal range. Um, but he kind of pulls off like a kind of almost like a Rob Crowish kind of vocal on this track mm. on the mm-hmm. first parts of each of the the stanzas.
0: Do you do you listen
1: to a lot of Pinback, Greg? Uh, I wouldn't say they're one of my favorite bands, but I'm very I'm fairly well versed in them. Yes. You can at
2: least summon what a Rob Crow vocal sounds like in your head.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I know I reviewed <laughs>
2: at least one of his solo records for fun
1: news. I don't remember which one. Yeah, he
2: just put out a whole bunch of covers, actually. I needed to actually check that out. Yeah, it's his r-
0: new cover album is actually pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. He's just really good at recording acoustic guitar at this point because yeah. he's been doing it for so long.
2: <laughs> when you're in as many bands as him.
0: Yeah,
1: seriously. That dude just can't stop. He, I don't know, he he might have close to as many bands as he has
2: albums.
1: (laughs) One of those restless guys. What was that really, didn't he have a really obscenely named, like, metal Oh, Goblin Cock. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Instantly springs to mind.
2: Yeah, no, naturally.
1: Goblin
0: Cock. I always think about Goblin Cock uh, (laughs) when uh, there is a a Nardwar interview of Odd Future. Yes. And he... (laughs) He gives Tyler, the creator, a Goblin Cock record, yeah. and Tyler's just like, Goblin Cock! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: An all-time great Narbar interview, and an all-time great yeah. gift.
0: Yeah, it's very good. Um, after this is part, th- part C of Get Me Off This Coin.
2: Fought a
3: war to save the world now From evil undistilled And yeah, you know to do the job right a lot of folks were killed no, no one wanted to get involved it nearly was too late oh they said there was no risk to us but risk comes to those who will wait six million which is about which president this one's I'm Roosevelt.
2: Trying to remember.
0: yeah this is roosevelt okay
2: this is this is a track that um, the, the article that I mentioned earlier that was in the Nation made made them think that he was pro war because <laughs> the whole track <laughs> yeah, yeah. is about how like people uh, how how America hesitated getting into World War II and maybe mm-hmm. uh, maybe there would have been less deaths if America joined earlier and uh, that's a dangerous road to go down.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, are we going to argue that uh, we shouldn't defeat the Nazis? I mean, this was one war that needed to happen
2: yeah i mean that's not why they joined the war though
1: right right yeah
0: it, it
2: conveniently ended up
0: in such a way
2: yeah and you're saying at the end like when george and his boys did get to auschwitz um the red army liberated auschwitz let's let's get the facts straight here travis yeah,
1: that's true yeah yeah russia lost more people than anybody um <laughs> Yeah, I I firmly I'm firmly in old man status. Now I am actually in like episode 3 of uh, Ken Burns The War <laughs> documentary. <laughs> so that's that's how old I am now. I mean, you know.
2: Watching cri- <laughs> Ken Burns.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, fucking I've watched jazz and baseball a couple of um, <laughs> but uh his other two
0: big subjects.
1: Yeah, well, I still need to see the uh I've heard good things about the the country country music one. But, uh,
0: I always get Ken Burns and Rick Steves mixed up in my head.
1: What? <laughs> and, and Steve Dave from uh, Clerks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and Steve. Get him, Steve Dave. You tell him, Steve Dave. <laughs> I think about I think about Mallrats way too much because I live like ten minutes away from the mall where it was shot.
1: You do? Oh, yeah, the Edenbury man. Mall. It's yeah. so it's still there. It hasn't failed like every other mall.
0: It Well, <laughs> it's still there. They they continue to renovate it, but I wouldn't say that anything but, like, the movie theater in it is really that popular.
1: How about the escalator rides? Are they still good? The kids still riding the escalators?
0: <laughs> it, they must be, because, like, yeah. The, the, they still have escalators, for sure.
1: <laughs> when a bloodbath ensues! <laughs> I miss Jason Lee. Where the hell is that guy?
0: Clearly, uh, he went back to skateboarding. Did he? Though he was a good
1: skater. I have no idea. Actually, oh, man.
2: so I'm trying to think of what I, he's even done. What Alvin he even and doing? the Chipmunks. And, uh, <laughs> he's done Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah, I think
1: I those know. some of the most recent uh, things he's done. Yeah, I'll tell you. As far as early out sitcoms goes, my name is Earl was pretty was pretty funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, which also had Ethan Suplee in it, who was in Mallrats.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Apparently, a lot of the people involved in that show were Scientologists. really and jason lee also is one
1: he is oh man are you sure i know right damn it the fuck (laughs) though beck says that he was never one now that's uh did you guys see that recent news yeah he's like oh well i was you know supposed to be in it but i never really was one i don't know (laughs) Well, he at least has the
2: excuse of being born into it right most people don't have that excuse
1: Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm
2: yeah
0: that that very strange circumstance of being born into Scientology.
2: <laughs> it's just it hasn't been around for that to be true of many people.
1: Yeah, true. Yeah. Hmm.
2: And then right. uh, moving into Che Guevara posters. Sometimes I wonder
3: what the old dude would make of broken windows and pink hair. Would he throw down his old world sneer? Would he care? Maybe he'd cheer. Maybe he just find the twins' game, and he sit back in the old chair and pop a beer. Yeah, yeah.
1: Do you <laughs> do either of you know anybody who had a Che Guevara poster? Uh, my wife, Cara, a, she's a Spanish professor, and she knows a fair amount about. Uh, you know South American and Latin American history and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, she has a shirt that I believe is by The Onion. It's Che Guevara wearing a Che Guevara shirt. <laughs> it's a oh, shirt of Che Guevara wearing a Che Guevara shirt. <laughs>
2: that's real good.
1: It's fantastic. I
2: don't know. This I feel like my... I feel like by the time I hit college, it was less in vogue yeah. to have yeah. Che Guevara shirts in your in your dorm or shirts, Scar- Scar- Scar-
0: Scar- <laughs> Scarface posters are still very much a thing people buy for their dorms, though. Yeah, Bob, Bob, Marley, Bob Marley posters. I actually had a yeah. Mallrats
1: poster in my college dorm.
2: <laughs> the main poster I had in my uh, college dorm was a five-foot map of Middle Earth, um, which is currently hanging on the wall across from me.
1: Wow, man. None of my posters, like, once you move a couple of times, those things are fucked.
2: Well, see, this this poster is an absolutely garbage shape, but since it's a map, it works
1: ah looks it, more it and more weathered aesthetic. sure yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah
0: this one has the kind of like the sort of like old-fashioned stereo recording technique of putting certain percussion instruments only in one channel
1: which i always do yeah it's got the tambourine only on the right side mm-hmm. it it's always
2: kind of drives me nuts when i'm listening on headphones <laughs>
1: oh well then don't listen to any outdoor volume's that's <laughs> just a, it's a trick I learned Wait, man t- uh, there was there's been a lot of people I've studied production under and one one uh one guy it's almost like man see they're down the middle or completely left completely right it's no in between you got to go got to pick a side and yeah and and typically I like a lot you got to pay attention with the drummer's even if the drummer's on the hi-hat and you got the hi-hat pan left got to put that tambourine to the right there you go. even it out
2: <laughs> Yeah no yeah see I feel like the the problem is that people don't often even it out Things pan to one side if it's if it feels even is mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Things pan to one side where it's just like it's just on the one side. I just it makes me I usually just take the other headphone off my ear and pretend I'm just listening to it <laughs> through one ear. <laughs> Because uh, it, it, like, physically bothers me.
0: Weren't there a number of uh, of Beatles albums where it was just all the instrumentation on one side and then the, the on mixes the other That's how the stereo mixes of side? the
2: albums are, and that's yeah. why everyone recommends the mono mixes of those albums.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's because the way they bounced them down back in the mono days, they were committing the rhythm track to entirely, you know, the rhythm section, the drums, and the bass are all on one tracks, and then we're like, hey, we got stereo technology now, now you got, you know, (laughs) Paul and Ringo are all the way over on the left, and then you got the guitars on the right.
2: Let's put them as far away from me as possible. (laughs) It's it's pretty
1: wacky. I remember being in, I don't know, I was on California, I went to one of the Amoebas, I think it was the Berkeley one, and the speakers in the store were like just like these really huge stereo speakers, and they were really on opposite sides of the store, and something by the Beatles came on, and I was at clear at one end of the store, and like yeah. all you could hear, it was just sounded like yeah, like a r- rhythm section breakdown. Like, What's this oh remix? God. Yeah, <laughs> rhythm section one ad. Yep. No others need apply. The thing about uh, the song, also...
2: I feel. Go ahead. <laughs> the, the thing about the song, I feel, is it's another one of the ones like I was saying earlier, where it's like he raises a point. I don't think he goes anywhere good with it. <laughs> like it's like oh those those the fashionable communists of today oh my old man was it was my old grandpa was a union man but he was also a racist no moral <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it, it the the granddad story is also set in minnesota for some reason which i guess maybe that's actually
2: the case his granddad was from here
0: hmm he
2: was saying that was like his, was that his Norwegian grandpa or something? Was yeah, that... yeah. Came yeah, from, from Norway. Norway in the spring of 1912. So that, that would track. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's the source of the Minnesota accent.
1: All right. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He ran for Congress in 48 and almost worked as a red. <laughs> mm.
2: <laughs> but the son of a bitch wouldn't pay for his daughter's college.
1: <laughs> Very nice.
2: <laughs> and then, yeah, sometimes I wonder what the old dude would have made of broken windows and pink hair. It's so like, oh, the the communists today with their pink hair. Good to know that that trope goes all the way back to the early 2000s and isn't just like, you know, the common vanguard of the weirdo alt-right of today. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's that's really where that all comes from. Yeah. It's not where that all comes from. It's like that's, that's their, their main point.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if I really had any thoughts about communists in 2004. I was too busy being in high school.
2: <laughs> yeah i was i was too busy being greg cover your ears you don't know how young i am um 13 years old in 2004 fuck off
1: <laughs> i was i could have been your teacher i was teaching uh music up till eighth grade i was teaching a K K to eight music in
2: 2004
1: yeah 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 um yeah, got, I, was, yeah. I would
2: be a very bad student because i suck at music
1: no I'd, I'd i'd help you get better we'd rock it man
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the last shows that i went to before uh quarantine dropped on our heads was stereo lab and this song mm. kind of gets me back into that same kind of rhythm space I that they like that. to play in yeah yeah
1: very kind of persistent very uh the tone of the keyboards i could see as well yeah 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 this one though i must it, say yeah I, I definitely yeah i like that 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 reference there, and I like Stereo Lab a fair bit, but this one for some reason I don't know maybe it's just it being at the back half of the album. Um, this one I was like, wait, how does this one go again? <laughs> yeah. so I, I'm yeah. playing.
2: I'm playing it quietly in one of my earbuds right now, and it's
1: yeah. I just did that too.
2: <laughs>
0: it's got a lot of words to it. Um...
1: Yeah, you're criticizing him for not having enough words before, so here they are. <laughs> yep. Well, I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> No sir, I don't like it.
2: <laughs>
0: I'm angry about his pink hair.
4: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I like There's... um the, the, the lyrics on Genius are really weird for this one. Some of the some of the lines just didn't come through right. Um they had noisy heads and it's written as moist heads.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Wait, I, thanks. I think genius. that might
0: have been an audio then that might have been an autocorrect there.
1: Whoops. <laughs> uh <laughs> I love yeah, at the end like- though. Again, the the him bringing humor into to every song said, "Yeah, would he care? Maybe he'd cheer. Maybe he'd just find the twins' game and sit back in the old chair and pop a beer,
0: <laughs> as all of our granddads are wont to do here in Minnesota."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's. I just felt like he he never really made a point with this one. It's not really mm-hmm. it's not really a stirring critique of the. Of the of the common college communist, of which there are many critiques you can make. Yeah. And yeah. I say someone who like, you know, probably has more things I agree with with the average college communist than disagree with. Um it could be a it could be a, a position of great convenience and, you know, just kinda kinda just point just just posturing that ideology at people just to to feel superior. It's something that definitely happens. Yeah, especially oh, yeah. people who aren't really thinking very hard and just, you know, just put a Che Guevara poster up and call it a day. Right, right. And it just it didn't really feel like he was. It felt like he wanted to like excoriate those kind of people because that—that was some of the some of the stuff he went into in his weirdo blog post. Was like mm. weirdo hippies who don't want to save people. Nah. Yeah, yeah. We've,
0: <laughs> we've got a uh, we've got a hypocrisy based song uh, coming up next here.
2: Yeah, i will move right on to it. I don't have anything else to say about this one. Yeah, we can move on. Yeah,
0: the word cop. <laughs>
3: And
4: that's sick. You'll that if you don't stop.
3: No 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 you see that that's their whole
2: trick. You need to think about what's real. This Why is not? absolutely the kind of song I can see Pitchfork hating him making. <laughs> like it's just it's it's very just hypocrisy is bad. Okay? Yeah. I like
0: the <laughs> words to it. They very the, the words to it are very good, but they also read like he wrote it in about an hour.
2: Well, yeah, it reads like a fucking, like, how you open a best man speech by saying, Webster says about love. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it looks like he tore out a dictionary page and stuck it at the top of his lyrics booklet.
1: Moral. Noun. A rule you live by even if no one's around. But uh, fucking give it up for Jason McGuire's drum fill at the beginning of this fucking song. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> also, I, was, I was really i was really liking the uh, the instrumentals on the on this little stretch here definitely and and the, the like fucking peanuts ass piano going on
1: <laughs> yeah it's a vince Guaraldi kind of yeah that's exactly what it sounds yeah. like
2: <laughs>
1: I like it though very bouncy though and it's very very stripped down but like the drums are still played very hard even though it's really not like the rest of the instrumentation is hard rocking tune but the drums so like crash 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 crash
2: yeah 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 the, the piano's just kind of driving the whole time yeah it's very it, it, it holds the melody a little bit because he's just kinda, he is kind of toxin on this one which is as as I've stated before his best mode that he's most comfortable with mm-hmm. um, he does kind of hit the higher register on this one and this is another one where I think he, he works well with it and it's like every time he, he he manages to work well in that register is when he sounds the most like Rob Crow to me <laughs> <laughs> I think this it's just is, the uh, way the way the rhythm the way the way his voice is uh, the way he he follows the rhythm on this one kind of reminds me of that too.
0: This is I think is this the only track on the album where he's not the he, he's not the lead singer for every line. Yeah. What are the other lines mm-hmm. again? Like oh right, uh, who made you?
2: Like yeah, the the stuff in the later half of the song there. Right. Yeah, I think it's the only spot that has like other vocals that aren't just chorus.
0: Yeah, for for like that weird call and response section. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who? Okay. Oh, we got uh, Amanda Fatone and Kendall Norden. All right. Yeah, the Travestani women's chorus.
0: <laughs> I feel like these these liner notes only exist on discogs and on the actual disc because yeah. nobody else cares.
1: Okay, though so I need to read you this: the <laughs> Republic of Travestan. It got surface composition of the Republic of Travestan: seventy five percent skin, eighteen percent hair, four percent nails, two percent eye, one percent nipple. <laughs> 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 Travis is 1% nipple that's it. That, that's kind of a lot a lot of nipple
2: yeah if I'm yes. thinking like surface area of the body I think that's a pretty high percentage of nipple Yeah,
1: he's. you know you heard it here first folks Travis Morrison has huge nipples <laughs> we got to the bottom of that
2: man he sure does say so don't talk to me about decency you wouldn't know if it fucked you up the ass great <laughs> thanks Travis thanks for that one <laughs> And then he oh. rhymed ass with crass.
1: <laughs> and now I'm getting crass. Yeah. So there you go. Less self-deprecating yeah. stuff in here and self-referential. It's, uh, yeah. it's definitely a record a, made a, a for che- people cheeky... who already know who he is. <laughs>
2: yeah. And of course, like the, the cheeky offhand reference to pedophilia and the Catholic church, which, you know, I'm sure was all the rage at the time. And it's like, you know, a good, it's a pretty decent thing to bring up in a song about hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Um, not something that that people will make as flippant references about these days.
1: Right, you're as Christian <laughs> as a bishop in a toy store.
2: <laughs> well, see, hey, it's definitely boys' dorm. Genius has the wrong words. There. Oh, really? Yeah, a boys' dorm. Yeah, no, okay, I, I that's listened to it a couple worse. of times to be sure.
0: Oh. I feel like a hypocrite talking to you and your word cop friend.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Are we just assuming that people that listen to this also know that generally, they also yes. know they might be the giants? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking in the lyric booklet right now, but it's all written, like, annoyingly as one long thing. Like, no oh, stanza yeah. breaks or anything? No song breaks. If Oh, God. There's not even any titles in here. Like, the beginning of the lyrics just starts off with, I freed the slaves. It doesn't even say, came off this coin.
0: The lyrics booklet of uh, In the Aeroplane Over the Sea is like that, too. Yeah.
2: And I think uh, Strawberry Jam is like that a little bit, too.
1: So
0: yeah, I, would I know that the lyrics in Strawberry Jam words. are just wrong. Yeah,
2: exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if I'd ever find this toys this boys dorm thing if I tried. Uh, yeah. Well
0: yeah. We'll 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 let you uh retweet this episode later and say, Yes, it's Boys Dorm.
1: <laughs> I'm still attempting <laughs> to find that. I read through it. the entire album why. and made sure <laughs> I'm, I'm still looking for it. I don't know why. It's it's fruitless. This this yeah. album does appear to have a lot of lyrics if you look at it like this. <laughs> ample words <laughs>
0: oh this album's got glockenspiel in it and it's got
1: words oh wait i found it it is boys dorm yeah yours. christian as a bishop in the boys dorm
0: yeah i get the feeling that somebody who didn't own this album transcribed it once and then every website copied it forever
2: ain't that just the way
0: <laughs> yeah that that's that's what we ran into with uh the treats episode
2: yeah, yeah. People, <laughs> people did that like just just try to go right oh, yeah. and well the, the everything's so modulated on that album you can't even hear the words half the time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's 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 been uh, compressed to just be vowel sounds.
2: It's vowel sounds yeah. and it's all one rectangle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like the way at the right at the end of the song where you're singing, Don't talk to me about reality. It's very like it very much reminds me of, of, of classic D plan. Super D plan the, the, the right way there. he he lilts the vocals on that. Yeah. Because as, as it is, the world is not all right. Well, you got that right, Travis. You got that right, at least.
0: <laughs> he did. After this one comes Matt's favorite song, Angry Angel. I don't
3: want to fight. I don't want to hear you talk. I only want to know when to walk and when to run and i don't want revenge and i don't want to save
2: my pride i only want to know that i tried i fucking hate this song <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah why okay he's he's saying on it says, it says on the notes that there's a string chorus on this uh, there's a string orchestra on this album that is a fucking midi violin and it sounds like shit <laughs>
1: Uh, hold on, I gotta bring this
2: I just, I, I, think that when he's singing that in the higher register It just doesn't really land for me most of the time Because his voice is very thin And he does that for this whole song
0: We're all just listening to it now Trying to figure out if that's the case
2: I mean, it's it's either it's either they're MIDI violins Or they're compressed to hell And I don't like the sound of them Yeah, this is curious hmm.
0: It's got a little bit of a, like, 90s movie soundtrack feel to it yeah. Oh yeah,
2: this could absolutely play over the credits Of, like, a C-list drama
1: <laughs> strings do sound very
2: fake I don't know I
1: mean I've recorded you know real you know my friends that are string players I've recorded stuff for my albums on strings and even even the best string players like if you layer them enough like and it's not going to be as pitch perfect as this and that's, that's kind of the idea you know with double tracking and all that kind of stuff is that yeah. slight difference in pitch is what makes it sound thick and this mm-hmm. almost just sounds like like it's just every single one like, did they auto-tune the strings or what? Because it just sounds too perfect, and like the vibrato is way too uh, robotic. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I that, mean, that's
2: what's making me think that it was a synth. It's just uh, the the way it sounds. Is it sounds exactly like the violin synth on my old Casio keyboard. So,
1: yeah, but yeah, I'm looking at the yeah the credits here It says all the it even has a it's conductor like a- listed.
2: <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking at the lyrics right now, and it's just I don't remember any of these because I just hated the instrument so much that I just, this song just never registered in my head. <laughs> so if anyway, if you guys want to talk about this one, you can go ahead. I just don't. I don't have much else to say about Man. it.
1: Yeah, this says it has three violinists, two viol- viola players, one cellist. Uh, or sorry, two cellists, uh double bass, and Dave. Dave Durst, Fred Durst's brother, conducted. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just some guy named Bur- durst <laughs> fred went one way and dave went uh you know, went the classy way orchestral yeah I, I mean this one i guess like gotta have a slow song on the album but yeah it doesn't really do much for me
2: yeah it's just like it, it's it's functionally the album ender because like there's one more get me off this coin interlude and then there's a hidden track mm-hmm. so the Just like thinking in proper album chronology, this is really like the closing track. And the fact that it doesn't do anything for me kind of, kind of sours me at the end of the album, which is why it's like, it took me a second listen to appreciate some of the songs better because I would just kind of came out of it like, well, what the heck was that one?
0: It's got at least one or two interesting lines of, uh, of lyrics in here. Um, like, I feel your feathers brush my back as I give myself up for the night. The crystal fangs shine
2: by the moon and you ask me who you should bite. (laughs) But then he follows it up with, you. but you treat justice like a whore, and you're not even close to right. Uh, which is a choice. He doesn't That's mince, a line.
1: He, he doesn't mince words here. He uh, gets right to it.
0: You wouldn't know crystal fangs if they fucked you in the ass.
2: <laughs> oof. Oof. Ouch. Oof. Ouch. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, there's definitely some things in here where, like, if he had... Bandmates, they might be like, "Are you sure about that one?
2: Are you, you sure about that one? <laughs> you sure about Both that the words and also like one? just their production choice on this one.
1: Yeah,
0: we got our uh, we got our
2: last. Get me off this coin.
1: Yeah, part
0: D.
3: You name a town
2: after me now,
3: and no one there can vote. Tyranny poisoned the world, and we were the antidotes. It gave no quarter and now you use me to choose what doesn't matter. Are you bitches flip me one more time and your ass is getting
2: flipped in the hereafter, so get me up? So this is Washington. Are you guys biggies. proud of me for identifying all the presidents despite not being from the States? Yes. <laughs> very, very. I got it. You know Four who George more.
1: Washington is.
2: I got George Washington. <laughs>
1: Six
0: foot twenty, made of radiation. <laughs> He'll kick you apart. He'll kick you apart.
2: Ooh, Ooh. um, and this is really hey, this is it's the funny long that they're one. They're saying uh, you name a town after me, and no one there can vote. And uh, D.C. statehood is actually something that might come up on the docket and the, the next government. For it'll be good. Wow, really? a lot of people live there. A lot of people live there, and sure don't get much representation.
1: And Travis is one of them.
2: And Travis is one of them.
1: Yeah, I think he still lives there, as far as I know. Travis, and this is the long one. And you, and you guys were saying, I can't remember who said it that this was like the one when you're like, okay, that's enough. But this is the one where it goes longer <laughs> than the rest.
0: Yeah, it, it's got it's got I a little Dave, bit I uh, more of an it. outro. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: And, and like the first time I listened to this, I didn't get the the president uh, theme in each. Uh, in each set of lyrics oh, so yeah. I was just so I was just lost the entire time I'm like what is what is the thing about the coin like what is this the centrism thing I I'm, I don't know
2: <laughs> I, I do like ending this one with uh, you yeah, know oh who did tell you life 50, 50 life's 5050 50, I can't abide and oh who who did tell you life's either or now they surely lied because America has been poisoned by the two-party system it has been true. People are unable to imagine alternatives because they are so stuck in this electoral reality where promises are made and not kept.
1: (laughs) Then they they pull the football away. (laughs) This is deep thoughts with (laughs) Ben.
2: You bitches flip me one more time and your ass is getting flipped in the hereafter. <laughs> George Washington's going to kick your fucking ass. See,
1: just something about the Travis's lyrics. Like, yeah, he does seem like he's like, like I said, like having a midlife crisis here. Where he's like, I'm going to just be real, real childish with some of these lyrics. But saying, just saying bitches and ass and then a word like hereafter, which is a very kind yeah. of old fashioned word. Like your ass is getting flipped in the hereafter. It's just something just really... Like, They Might Be Giants would never say a line like that, but it's kind of in that They Might Be Giants style of humor, where it's, like, just the juxtaposition of these two things is what's funny about it.
0: Side note, while while he was uh, recording this album, um, he released, uh, I think Matt was saying, some early versions of this as MP3s, uh, and also a cover, an acoustic cover, of Ludacris'
1: What's Your Fantasy? <laughs> Is that what you guys were talking about in the Facebook thread before when I was just, yes. like I walked into <laughs> yes. the middle of something about a covered So so it's it's horrible apparently.
2: <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm uh, yeah. very familiar with the Ludacris song "What's Your Fantasy" because that's like early 2000s hip hop is most of what I grew up on because of my older siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that song has like a lot of rhythm to it, and Ludacris has a lot of personality, and occasionally like the way that travis will sing like this isn't like the in the in the terms of like acoustic covers of hip-hop go it's not like completely removing all elements of it being hip-hop from it like he's basically just covering it but his instrument happens to be an acoustic guitar uh, right yeah, so he's not like he's not, not like doing, a, a shitty white cover boy. He's, he's not doing a shitty white boy cover in it in the same way that most people do shitty white boy covers of hip-hop songs like ben he's doing Folds, a shitty white yeah. boy cover of it <laughs> in that he has no personality while rapping
0: Everyone's first reaction to that comment is, "Oh, like Ben Folds? Like Ben Folds? Yeah, like Ben ain't Folds? Shit. Yeah."
1: <laughs> Which he has stopped playing. He's like, "That was not." He
2: has right, stopped playing it, but it. he did very much say the n word in his recording of that song.
1: The I think the drummer says the n word, doesn't he?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, he the drummer does the Snoop Dogg lines.
1: Yeah. <laughs> He's like either I'll way, someone in his band nonetheless yeah. said it.
2: <laughs> Yikes! But it's cheeky. <laughs> because it's cheeky but yeah no he's it's a pretty straightforward cover but it just has no personality to it whatsoever because that's the main thing about Ludacris; he's a very like bombastic personality puts a lot of force into his lines sure and none of that is there
1: right and also Also, he didn't put much
2: effort into his beat that he made
1: i don't think travis is uh too fast (laughs) or too furious enough to (laughs) handle it that said
2: (laughs) he does not he does not slip over any of the lines he clearly did it. He clearly practiced it enough times. That he at least wraps it to the rhythm and on the rhythm. <laughs> so I can, I'll, I will give him that. But it still sucks. Tell your boyfriend not to be mad at me.
1: <laughs> but let's not let a bad cover bring down the album because he did not put it on the album. He knew better. He did
2: not put it on the album. Yeah. Uh. But David just wanted to put a clip of it in here, and so now he can do that. <laughs> oh boy.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll, maybe I'll put it as the as the uh, the outro to this uh, album. Uh, or the outro to this episode rather than put it in between uh, the actual album.
2: Right, right, because we do still have the, uh, the hidden track.
0: We do. Got, my
2: favorite, uh, like, it, it, I don't know if
0: the the real title of it is actually "Represent" or if that's just what people decided it was called.
2: Yeah, it's completely unlabeled on my version. So yeah. like the the CD uh, ID didn't have anything on it.
1: Yeah, it's it's obviously not on the back. This is of one this of my favorite. This is one of my favorite secret.
2: Yeah. Oh, I mean, even like, in the
1: lyric, uh, even in the lyric booklet, it ends with "So get me off of this coin." It yeah, does tracks. Uh, yeah, they don't. But uh, as far as like secret
2: tracks it. go, they didn't put that much of a gap it's yeah, like no, an extra it's about 50. a minute it's like yeah it's like a minute total um, I really like the way this one sounds I kind of wish yeah. he'd stuck with uh, he, he'd done production like this on more of the other tracks because like he does like the the high vocals but the readiness is covered over by the uh, by the way that they uh, they they did his voice like he kind of has like a robot-y kind of filter on it yeah
1: the music it's very is modulated. almost another uh, stereo lab kind of song yeah no that, yeah. that,
2: that is definitely uh, that's definitely where I'd go with uh, with a comparison on this one
1: the lyrics that, that
0: are on Genius are my best attempt at transcribing this song because nice. I couldn't find
1: it anywhere else on the internet. You're the first one to discover the secret track, to make it all the way through this album to the secret <laughs> track.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah everyone here everyone hears the second get me off this coin, they're like, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Which I can't blame them.
1: Well, do you guys think this would be a better album if he... Well, okay, it sounds like you think that it would be better if he just deleted all those, but do you think it would have a better Pitchfork review if he deleted those four sillier songs off of it? Maybe. It would get a one.
2: <laughs> I can still see, I, I think that no matter, I, I think that like just generally the, the way that the, the references and the themes that he's carrying throughout the album are very simple and surface level, which mm-hmm. again, not necessarily a bad thing, was already enough against him that it wasn't going to get a great score. Mm-hmm. it's I what think, pitchfork I, was not
0: looking for at the time right yeah
2: well, I mean like pitchfork at the time was very self serious oh yeah, <laughs> they still kind of remain that but like they're they're able to have some fun like we were we were mentioning on the uh on the dan it's like on, when t- when talking about dan deacon it's like the, the area in 2007 where that album came out is, like, pretty much the only time we can imagine them even being into something that silly. Mm. It's a very silly yeah. album. Mm-hmm. It opens with a fucking layered Woody Woodpecker sample, after all. Um, but, like, three this years before only, that and three years after yeah. that, I can't imagine it.
0: This was only a couple years out from uh, Brent DiCrescenza's review of Kid A, and Good I think Lord. they were still feeling the reverberations of that guy.
2: Oh, man. that That is... Did Eventually, he give it a better review? The album, I, don't, mate.
1: I don't remember that review. Did he did he not like
2: it? No, no. He basically it, fucked the album over the course of the review.
1: <laughs> oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. It it's probably the most like ridiculous it, it's like the stereotypical pitchfork review that people uh, think about, mm-hmm. which is why uh we have uh the sign off line for this show that we do.
2: Yeah, I had never seen a shooting star before, 25 years of rotations, and I had never seen de- f- uh, flaming debris streaking across the sky. Um, Tom York placed his face around the microphone as if he was trying to kiss around a large nose, and that's about as far as I can remember into it. <laughs> what?
1: Oh, my God. It is wow.
2: incredible. Whew. Eventually, we're going to have to cover that album, and it will involve us each reading out the entire thing in full.
1: Like a screenplay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Basically, yeah. I mean, there are there are pitchfork reviews that are written in the form of screenplays. They're real bad. <laughs> the the best, the, the less said about their more experimental reviews, the better.
1: I I wrote a review once as a recipe, which I actually went over pretty well. People liked it.
2: Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> I do like that.
0: Once this uh, once this hidden track is over and done with, uh, but yeah, like my thought on this album is it's like even even if you don't like the the lyrics of it or the, even the themes of it it's a competent it's a competently made album
2: yeah yeah chris Wallen knew what he was doing
0: it's it's better than lulu by lou reed and metallica for sure
2: which is yeah that that is the last low review album we did we did two in a row and then we just haven't done any in a while
0: it mean, was that a zero th- it was time was that not a zero it, no, was like it was like a, a one-point one something. 1. How 0.
1: the fuck... Yeah. Yeah, God. This is like, just Lulu a spiteful... Lulu was not better than this. Yeah, the review of this is just spiteful. Yeah. And yeah. it's... Yeah, it's really kind of sickening because, I mean, he did go on and make another... I mean, I guess not technically a solo album, the Travis Morrison, and the Hellfighters, but um, and then the this Maryland playing reunited and did an album, but he, he uh, for all intents and purposes he basically disappeared, and yeah. I I think the backlash of this review definitely played a part in in souring him to just putting his art out there and mm-hmm. fuck yeah. fuck this guy for that. I mean, Chris. What is it? Chris fucking Dalin or whatever, Dalen. Yeah. yeah, I I tweeted at him recently after we were uh ed, after <laughs> Matt and I had initially talked about it. Yeah, I tweeted at him and and he uh did not respond. <laughs> I, was, I was basically like, fuck off, dude. How does it feel to ruin someone's career? <laughs> fucking dick.
2: <laughs> I do like the idea of him hearing that a full sixteen years after it happened. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, it's funny, like I found this consequence of sound uh on the for uh 2014, so even six years ago, but this, I guess, was the 10th anniversary of that bad review. They right. tried to do, it's called Prisoner of Travisan, a failed oral history. There were enough people that didn't want to talk about it anymore that the guy basically wrote an article, and he's like, yeah, that's about all I got because no one wants to talk about it.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was similar. There was a guy who went through and, like, talked to various people about getting a zero from Pitchfork, and actually, the only person who did talk to them was Travis Morrison. Oh yeah, <laughs> he actually—I—I I, I completely forgot about that until this came up. I'm going to try to find it.
0: Oh yeah, I remember this now. But yeah, uh, I, like, yeah, I remember reading it, but I don't remember
1: what he said. So there's this little thing at the end of the Consequence of Sound. So the, he, Travis did issue a little statement uh, to this guy. He didn't do a full interview with this Consequence of Sound guy, but he said. Uh, so Travis said it's one of those mid-career albums that life artists make. Where they choose fumbling for new things over doing what they know well with a sure hand and maybe less inspiration. Usually those records fade away except to people really curious about an artist's journey. But of course there's now a music industry legend around the reception of the poor little tentative thing and that keeps discussions of it going. So he's, he's, he's essentially slamming Pitchfork and other things like that where, you know, and, and now with the internet, a review is up for us to just click over and look at it right now and have a podcast about, whereas, you know, it before might have been in a paper copy of Rolling Stone and then into the recycling bin and no one's talking about it, you know, 16 years later. So, I mean, essentially, he was like, he's like, you know, maybe I was a little less inspired, but I wanted to try some new things and maybe they didn't go great. And uh, thanks to places like Pitchfork, it uh, couldn't just slide by. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah, so like a couple of the, of the people that they tried to contact weren't necessarily people who got zeros but just people who got uh, a lot of like just rough reviews mm-hmm. like there's uh one black kids album that like oh. their, their initial EP got like real real good and then the debut album got a 3.3 3, and the only thing they put was a picture of a pug and it said sorry on <laughs> yeah, it yeah and that's another, it yeah,
1: another dick move the, Total the only dick one move the only one I'll allow is the jet review. <laughs> has the YouTube video of the monkey peeing in his own mouth?
2: <laughs> yeah, one day we're gonna have to listen to Jet to deal with that. Um, but Jet and then was a major
1: ad- label band. Yeah, them, fuck them. Who cares? I doubt they ever they're even on, read. Yeah, it.
0: they're on
2: Electra. Yeah. So, so uh, with the, I, I finally, I did find the article. It's called "When a Negative Pitchfork Review Could End a Career." Um, so, he emailed Travis Morrison. Travis Morrison emails back. I regretfully have to decline. Thanks and good luck. And then. Like an hour later said, I don't know how Liz Fair got a zero and just like started like, like just sent like a paragraph on how that album didn't deserve a zero. <laughs> and then like followed up later just being like, he kind of just skips past and talks to Thurston Moore for a bit. And he's like, I got another message from, uh, from Morrison. Just like, I guess he, he asked for like, just like a clarifying final statement or something. Mm-hmm. And I'll just, I'll just read the statement out in full. Hi, Amos. Thanks, but no. I've been talking about this for over a decade. I would really like to move on. It was a really frightening and awful experience. Everything that goes along with modern internet humiliation stories happened to me in 2004. It was at a much smaller scope since it was smaller scene, but it all happened. I've actually decided to stop doing interviews altogether so I can get away from this. For the most part, people IRL don't see me in this light or bring it up very often, or even know what Pitchfork is, but I'm just branded with this as the media sees it. I don't think it'll ever stop, so I think I need to take action to get away from it. Obviously, this Email as fodder for anything you do. I understand that. Consider this my last statement on the matter, or anything. I suppose. Wow. And uh, the guy who wrote the article was like, that email breaks my heart a little bit. Morrison doesn't sound antagonistic at all. He sounds resigned. Yeah. Because like the other yeah. person who actually talked for this article was Thurston Moore, and Thurston, like Sonic Youth, didn't face anything from Pitchfork giving them a zero. They're like, well, oh, fuck those guys then. Like they, right. they had enough critical clout that they could ride that and be fine.
1: And they came right back with a couple of records like they've they got some their, their final records both got pretty good reviews. Yeah,
2: exactly. And like, like, uh, it, it clearly did a lot to them. And like, it definitely yeah. didn't. I, I probably wouldn't rate this very, I wouldn't rate it very high overall. There's a lot I liked about it. But there's a lot I really didn't like. And a lot of it, it just comes from like a really primal while I'm listening to the music, I can like, I can kind of express my feelings about it more accurately than when I try to talk about it afterwards. Mm. Which is why this is very much a record that I had to, like, put the music back into my ears while we're talking and just remind myself of something. But just on, like, a primal level, there's something about the composition of this album that really didn't strike me the right way. But I do appreciate that he tried something with it, even though I think that he should at least... Like, he deserves being socked in the face for writing Get Me Off This Coin (laughs) Part (laughs) B. Yeah, I I
1: honestly wouldn't mind if... uh... Get me off this coins were off of there. I don't mind them. I I don't think one should have started the album, and I think maybe cap it off at three, not four of them. It's just it's a little a little much. Well, yeah,
2: they could have just um, cut Jefferson because the other three were like sure. not as bad as that one.
1: Yeah, that one. Yeah, definitely, especially did not age well. Yeah, I mean uh, people
2: are super into were super into Jefferson for years because of Hamilton. They're like, dude, that guy raped slaves. Yeah. Like we we don't need to we don't he need sucked. to be glorifying this motherfucker.
1: Yeah. Not only did he have slaves, but yeah. Um yeah, <laughs> yeah fuck that guy. But uh, this this album I think for me I I really liked it right off the bat. I'd say I don't come back to it as much as obviously the Dismemberment Plan albums, but coming off a of change, like I think I was just looking for something more aggressive and, and Change wasn't giving it to me and yeah. or or not as dancey and then this came out and I'm just like, "Hell yeah." Like Born in 72, all this like and the drums are fantastic. Like Jason McGur's great. He's 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 no Joe Easily. I mean, that dude when I saw them he broke like six sticks. Uh Hell yeah. but um this this album it was peppy enough. It had that silly sensibility that you know, I was down for some silliness after such a serious kind of as far as Dismemberment Plan goes, a somber album with change. So this one was kind of a welcome uh turn for me. And uh I don't know. I mean, like I said, it it probably still, you know, I still think it deserves to be in that that top 20 I made for Punk News, but yeah. it probably should have come in more at like 19 or 20. Um, i definitely did listen to it a lot especially when it came out um and i still stand by a lot of it really
2: mm-hmm. well eventually we're gonna have to cover mint carr on this on this podcast because i think it's the <laughs> only i think it's the only uh they might be giants album that scored high or low enough yeah because everything else is just solid in the middle
0: yeah they, 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 not they tend to give way. they might be giants a round of
2: five usually
1: or just not reviewed at all
2: or it's not reviewed yeah. at all. They did put Lincoln on their best album of the 80s, and I think that's the only one that they hold in particularly high esteem. Hmm. They
0: could have done a reissue review of it when the when the new uh, LP came when out. When the Cool but Red they... one came out. Yeah, but they didn't.
2: Bastards? hey they only reviewed death grips because i tweeted at them every single day for three months saying to review death grips x military i'm still convinced (laughs) they didn't give a shit about death grips until i tweeted at them every single day about it and then they became really annoying about death grips so that's my (laughs) fault not anthony fantanos fuck you fantano (laughs) It's my scene. Greg made Greg
0: what? made Bush, and you made Death Grips.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so
1: what who's horrors the horrors we've unleashed upon the world? Who's the bigger war criminal? <laughs> 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 clearly Matt. <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 So yeah, I think I think overall, I um, I probably would not give it a positive review, but I wouldn't give it a zero. Yeah. There are I, plenty I'd of songs it, I liked. If it was like an EP, I could probably make a, a solid EP out of this. Pretty good.
0: Yeah. I, I'd give it a pretty good out of 10.
1: Yeah. Pretty, I don't know. I'd, pretty I'd, good. I'd, I'd probably give it a seven. I mean, I think the, the good tracks are good enough. And it's just like if it lost a little bit of that filler, um, mm-hmm. then yeah. Like if you just kind of ignore the the coin stuff, I think it's <laughs> yeah. solidly at a seven. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's an album, I think. Yeah.
1: That's an album. That's a spicy album. It has some spicy language on that.
0: <laughs> yeah well uh thank you for listening to tuning fork um i'm david i have another podcast called the stick uh which currently is just me hosting it um i've i've had one episode so far where i had a guest host on uh which was will from uh our noise space co-podcast radish um and uh i i think it's i think it's still going uh pretty well all things considered um well we'll uh we'll have to see how that goes in the future it's a it's a podcast about homestar runner um, and as a millennial uh, I care a lot about homestar Runner so go listen yeah. to that if you also fall into that category um, you could follow me on uh, Twitter at at Dave's with three vs like waves and uh, I'll go ahead and let Matt plug his stuff because he has a lot more of it than I do
2: I mean most of it's inactive it's fine uh, I'm Matt I run the podcast collective on which this and many other podcasts are hosted called noise space uh, We just made, we just built a new website. Mm. Been doing that for like several months. Um, yeah. I really like it. A nice consequence of being presently unemployed is that I have a lot more time mm. to do the stuff that I never had any energy for and rebuilding and completely moving an entire website um, with like, you know, gigabytes upon gigabytes of audio files on it <laughs> to an external server. So I don't have to worry about them anymore. Now everything is nice and smooth going forward. It's nice. I
0: do like a Snooze website.
2: It's a Snooze website and we got 26 podcasts on it now. <laughs> Some of them active.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Including this one?
2: Including this one. Yeah. I, I I keep one of my podcasts on there almost as a sick joke at this point cuz the la- we we only ever recorded two episodes. They were recorded 1 month apart from each other, so like relatively close together, and that was in 2016. <laughs> what was and that one about? We probably won't record another one. Um it's about Canadian culture. It's called The Field Guide to Canadiana. And we both ah. just feel weird about Canada as a country at this point
4: <laughs> And don't really yeah. feel like
2: encouraging it. Nationalism isn't cool, folks. <laughs> um, I have Elite Full Restore, so my Pokemon podcast. Haven't recorded in a little bit, but like, there's DLC coming out in like 12 hours. So I'm sure I'll oh, have yeah. something to talk about pretty soon. Um, we got Giants Confirmed, which actually has not recorded an episode since we had Greg on. We'll get around to it. Don't worry about it.
1: I inspire all of you guys to actually make episodes. I think. Yeah, that's it's like what I'm here I, I've for. recorded
2: zero episodes since Greg um, was on our <laughs> podcast, and Greg, I'm sure you've recorded a couple dozen.
1: I'm about to put episode 86. I've recorded up to 107.
2: God damn. Yeah. Good backlog.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm stocking up Patreon episodes now. I just recorded one with nice. a bunch of accordionists to talk about our yeah, favorite I saw accordion that. moments. Yeah, that. That sounds sick. Yeah it's gonna be great and we're doing an all accordion cover of the statue got me high oh hell hell yeah. yeah yeah like instrumental like the melodies will be accordion. everything's accordions nice nice <laughs> i think there'll be actually drums in it though i did have people suggest that we just clack the keys around a lot for the <laughs> percussion <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be pretty sweet and cornmo's is gonna be on it oh hell yeah yeah yeah
2: and then uh yeah my last podcast is the politics podcast henry kissinger's pokemon going to die I am going to <laughs> probably be on the next episode of that one, because we haven't recorded in like a month, um, because none of the the hosts ab- available to do episodes are black, and it just didn't really yeah. feel like a great mm. time to be putting our words out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just had to take a little break, and uh, we'll be coming back with some more. There's so much to talk about. The world is a mess, folks.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And then, yeah, you can find me on, uh, on Twitter at MattGCN, and see my takes, and... See me talk about Pokemon almost exclusively for at least the next week.
0: <laughs> and Greg, you already plugged your accordion uh, cover of Statue Got Me High. Yeah, and, it, uh, that's, it's might not be done yet.
1: Podcasts. Still working on it. Yeah, this might be a podcast.com. Uh, I also have my Best Midwestern podcast. We just put out two episodes about the history of music in Ohio. Uh, I also am currently editing a big episode with a. Um, Interview with the entire uh, band, the fantastic Chicago emo band called Colossal, that'll be out pretty soon. Um, and I've got two bands: Outdoor Valor, and if you want more of the punk rock variety, Doppelpopolis. Yes, those nice. those are my things.
2: Good names. Thank d- you. D- good band names.
1: Do you know the dop- what Doppelpopolis is a reference from? I don't. W- we already talked about a guy who did a voice in this cartoon. <laughs> I'm just going to give very weird hints to all them. My little trivia. My little. Uh, riddles
2: i'm too sleepy to guess what is it what is it what do we got Sea <laughs> lab 2021 oh hell yeah
1: save it for your queen doppel <laughs> it's because me and one of the other guys in the band kind of look like i don't know that's <laughs> uh
0: well then uh thank you to animal style for our uh opening and closing theme uh open air from the album open air uh, you can find all of their stuff at NMLSTYL.com. dot com. Um, and thank you to Nikki Flowers of Fellow Noise Space Podcast, picking up something good uh, for making our uh, making our podcast art. And uh, as we always say, I had never seen a shooting star before.
2: I had never seen a shooting star before.
1: I saw one. <laughs> <laughs> say the rune there for you. Just jump in there. That's fine. <laughs> Bye everybody.
2: Bye.
3: On two I give it to me now, I'll give it to me now. I'll give it to me now. I'll give it to me now. Yeah, yeah. I give it to me now, I'll give it to me now, I'll give it to me now, I'll give it to me now yeah, yeah, I wanna lick, 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 lick you from your head to your toes, and I wanna move from the bed down to the down to the, the floor, and I gotta, oh, uh, oh, uh, you make so good, I don't wanna leave, but I gotta, na-na-na-na, well, what's your fantasy, t- I wanna lick, 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 lick you from your head to your toes, and I wanna move from the bed down to the down to the. And I gotta, uh, ah, uh, you make it so good. I don't wanna leave, but I gotta. No, 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 well, what's your fantasy? I wanna get you in the Georgia Dome on the 50 yard line with the dirty boots kick the tree. And if you like it in the club, we can do it in the DJ booth or in the back of the VIP. Whipped cream, cherry, strawberries on top, baby, don't stop. Keep the door locked, don't knock. While the boot rocks, you go bots, robots, oh, they gotta wait till the show stops. How about beach of black sand? Lick up your thigh and call me Pac Man. Tabletop, but just do the lap dance. Rock to the park, to the point, to the flatland. That man is ludicrous, woo! In the public bathroom or the back of the classroom you want it love a lover gonna tap that ass soon see i passed them and i cast them get a tight grip and i grasp them i flash them and outlast them and if it ain't good then i trash them will you stash them i sell them free and they tell me what they fantasy like up on the roof roof tell your boyfriend not to be mad at me i'm gonna lick, lick 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 you from your head to your toes and i wanna move from the bed down to the